Here we go, rolling into a Monday. Welcome in, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. It was a great football weekend, was it not? There was a lot of really good football, a lot of great college football. We can uh, hope maybe this weekend we're going to have maybe as much excitement. The Sooners taking on Iowa State coming up, 6 p.m., Fox Sports 1. We did learn today, surprise, 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 Oklahoma and Texas, 11 a.m. on ABC. You expect a rooster in the Red River rivalry and you get a rooster again maybe you might get a 230 you're not getting a night game but no surprise there parker through an 11 a.m for ou texas uh a week from this saturday yeah no last 230 kick we had would have been what 2017 yeah i think that's right yeah baker, the, ba- mark, baker andrews mark andrews to win that one and the great uh ou photo guy uh picture uh that led to a lot of great photographs one which is up in my sports room, which is very nice with the Longhorn fans. Your sports room? Yes. What else is in your sports room? Oh, all kinds of masters and OU memorabilia, all kinds of stuff. You know, kid stuff and some grown-up stuff, a little bit. Anyway, how you doing? How was the weekend? How was the trip? What did you think of uh, well, Nippert Stadium, the atmosphere? And Nippert everything? Stadium was freaking awesome, Steely. I know that's the only time the Sooners are ever going to travel there in my lifetime, in all likelihood. But it's an awesome place to watch a college football game. Reminded me somewhat of Kansas State in terms of the stadium atmosphere in that it holds its noise really well. It feels intimate, but also feels raucous. What I thought was really unique and really cool is that the stadium is literally built into the campus. It's like the campus is built around the stadium. So in every direction, you got like the student union is literally attached to the concourse. You've got the basketball re- arena just a stone's throw away. You've got all, all sorts of administrative buildings all surrounding it. So it's basically like if you dropped Owen Field into the South Oval. <laughs> That's what it feels like when mm-hmm. you're in Cincinnati. And it only holds 40,000 people, but that student section shows out. They did on Saturday. They were noisy throughout, made life difficult for the opposition, and – to me, Steely, you know, we were remarking on this on the OU Insider Under the Visor postgame podcast, but with that hostile of an environment and just the way that that game flowed and the back and forth, the slugfest that was between Oklahoma and Cincinnati on Saturday, it felt a lot like a game that the 2022 Sooners would absolutely have lost. Oh, yeah, they would have cratered somehow, no doubt. And look, that is a really good win on Saturday. Was it perfect? Far from it. The defense, though, big time. I mean, really, really good. Danny Stutzman is an All-American right now, playing like one, maybe a Butkus Award winner. But it was a really good victory for Oklahoma. The way it went down, you know, with 20 points, it kind of leaves a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth. Not great. But we'll talk about that here in a minute. Let's first hear from uh, Brent Venables and Dylan Gabriel on the victory. And Brent, uh, again, knows they've got to get better, but still pretty proud of that road victory. Brent, road victory? And that's how you build a team. Again, like I said, there's lots of different ways to win. Proud of our guys' effort, you know, uh, both sides of the ball to continue to fight and compete. Offense came out, and, you know, they had four drives where we we scored, and, you know, that one of the field goal drives was a 12-play, 72-yard drive, and there's a couple of plays there that we'd like to get back. You can't, but, okay, what do we got to do to fix that? And, uh, and then we had a, a nine-play, you know, 67-yard drive there. Again, we had to settle four field goals, so we'll – Work on the efficiency and the execution, um, 
and and then def- defensively um, outstanding. I think they were four of maybe 19 on third and fourth downs, and oh my gosh, that was uh, you know just a make, making plays, guys. Just man, it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was that defense again, uh, particularly in the red zone, has been incredible. And better at tackling, you know, Desan McCullough came in, I thought played well, got beat in the wheel route, but, you know, that stuff happens. Other than that, I thought he played really well. Danny Sussman, Jerry Canick were great. The defensive line was good against the eighth-ranked run offense in the country, so there's a lot to like about the Cincinnati victory. Sooners win by two touchdowns. Dylan Gabriel, up and down. The offense couldn't run the football consistently. Uh, some good moments, but also some moments that they like to have back from Saturday. Here's Dylan Gabriel on the win over the Bearcats. Thought we, uh, you know, shot ourselves in the foot a couple times and um, just learning experiences. But I, I, I'm really proud of our defense and how they played, and you know, they they played their butt off. And a win is a win, so we're happy for that. Yeah, um, it was good. It's, you know, I've obviously seen this atmosphere before, but you know, the guys in general being our first, you know, real road game. Uh, it was good. You know, it's, like I said, you know, a win is a win, and finding ways we can get better, we'll always take uh, from that. But you know, finding a way to win is the most important thing. There you go. Sooners get ready for Iowa State coming up this weekend, six o'clock kickoff for Oklahoma and Iowa State on FS1 coming up this weekend. All right, Parker, let's talk about. Everybody's talking about Dylan Gabriel in the offense. Sure. Run game has not been good enough. They've had moments. You know what's ironic is the pass pro has been great. They have protected Dylan Gabriel and done an excellent job. I thought Walter Rouse had a great game. But they've been very inconsistent in the running game. Uh, they popped a few plays. But for the most part, it's not up to Sooner standards. There's no doubt about it. Now, for Dylan Gabriel, big debate going on on social media. It's almost like people are in there, man, he sucks, you know, or – Oh, wow. how can you say one negative thing about him? It's like they're two separate camps. Dylan Gabriel has had a really good season. All right. 78% completion percentage, uh, you know, 12 touchdowns, one interception. He's had a couple rushing touchdowns, got a little assist there on his touchdown at Cincy over the weekend, but again, ran tough. Uh, he's had an excellent year. I think he's a great leader. I think he is a good quarterback. But is he good enough right now? Because I'm looking at this through the prism of can you beat Texas? Can you win a Big 12 championship? Can you get to the college football playoff? We've said this a million times, even the best quarterbacks, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Brett Favre or whoever, all the great Sooner quarterbacks, they miss passes. But DG has missed more than I think he should have over 17 games. Uh, I know Jalil Farouk was probably winded. A lot of people thought he just made a big catch and run. They're going fast. He's back to the line of scrimmage. He's running straight down the field. Maybe that's why that overthrow was there. I had a little more problem with the Jaden Gibson. Makes a great move. Boom, that, that football should have been there. And, again, what I'm looking at more than anything else, plus the fumble down at the goal line, the, the backwards pass that could have been a disaster. The Sooners got it out of bounds. Again, he's been a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. You can have uh, a good opinion of Dylan Gabriel, but also question whether or not, you know, he can make these plays to get them over the top. Because the defense is good enough, and I think they're only going to get better. They're going to be more challenged. They left too much on the field. The bottom line is this. The two defenses that they played that have had a pulse, Arkansas State's horrible. Tulsa has the uh, Kendarian James kid and Owen Ostrowski. 
Other than that, not a lot. They've averaged 24 points against the two defenses that have really been somewhat challenging. What's your take on that situation? Well, first off, uh, outstanding text from Cherokee Sooner who says, Ethan Downs, hater, if I hear from you today, I will tell your mother to leave the crust on your sandwich for lunch. (laughs) That, folks, is why Cherokee Sooner is our consensus number one overall texter on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. But on on the Dylan Gabriel conversation, man, I just – and I know, like, somebody pointed out on Twitter, and it's been said before over the weekend because there were folks that were uber critical of Dylan Gabriel. Somebody pointed it out on Twitter, and again, it's it's something that's been said before for years. But the most popular guy on the team is always the backup quarterback. Yeah, right? because and it's always it's, the head coach, the coordinators, and the quarterback who get all the grief. Now, the the fumble pass. <laughs> in the second quarter of that game on Saturday. That was maybe the first moment of Dylan Gabriel's Oklahoma career where I legitimately watched that unfold and was just sitting there going, what the hell was that? Yeah, that that could have been a disaster. That absolutely could have been a disaster. And so, you know what, if you want to hold Dylan Gabriel accountable for that, absolutely, by all means. He would be the first person to tell you, yeah, that was really stupid. I'm not really even sure what I was doing there. And on the but, fumble, you know, he got hit because, I guess, was it Marcus Major who really didn't make a block on that play? What do you think on the Farouk overthrow? Was it because Jalil Farouk was out of gas or the tank was running low? I don't know. Look, quarterbacks miss throws. It happens. You are not going to hit every single throw. And Dylan Gabriel is what he is, and what he is is more than good enough to win football games at the University of Oklahoma. He's not an elite quarterback in terms of his giftings to play the position. Statistically, I think he has the potential to be elite because he's very good at taking what he's given, and he's very good at keeping the ball out of harm's way. A lot of it just comes back, Steely, to the fact that I feel as though folks have lost context for what good quarterback play looks like because they've been treated to elite quarterback play, Heisman-level quarterback play, for years and years and years and years. I always rewind to 2000. I know it's a little bit of a different time, offensively speaking, but in 2000, when you didn't have the backdrop of quarterback excellence that you do today at the University of Oklahoma, Josh Heupel, the season he had that year, he completed 63% of his passes, had a 20-14 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, and... Nobody was feeding the fire about throwing Josh Heupel on the bench because the Sooners were winning football games and because Heupel was a contributing factor in those wins. He he didn't have to carry the team to wins because they had strong defense, they had a strong running game, and those are two hallmarks of Oklahoma football under Brent Venables. At least that's what they would like them to be. The running game hasn't been up to par, and we've talked about that. I we, we can get into that more later. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but... All in all, if Dylan Gabriel's worst game of the 2023 season is a game in which he throws for 322 yards, Mm -hmm. accounts for two touchdowns, and hits on 68% of his passes, and on the other side, the defense only allows six points, what are you complaining about at the end of the day? Defense is playing really good, and I think uh, if they can get things going in the run game, that will also help Dylan. And again, the numbers look great. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I'm not saying put Jackson Arnold in there. None of that stuff. But I'm just saying in a game like the Cotton Bowl, you know, you can't miss some of the layup throws. 
and I still think he's missing a few too many of those layup throws. And they have the defense now, again, where they can bail him out to a certain extent. But uh, that's my only take on it because I'm looking at this now because I think we've seen enough from the defense to think that, you know what, this Oklahoma team could win the league and they might be able to go to the playoff. You know, maybe, maybe this could be a 2000 season. They've just got to clean some things up, and they've got to get that running game going, too. All right, we're just underway. We want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Been in business now for 16 years in the metro area. They will do great work for you. Heating and air needs addressed, they'll get it done for you. All right, let's hear what you guys have to say on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. You guys are always awesome. Let's get the text rolling in when we get back right here on The Ref. All right, what do you think, guys and ladies, on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line? We would love to hear from you, 405-651-3439. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you, Monday edition here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. How about a little uh, Jalen versus Baker tonight on Monday Night Football huh? with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers? You know I'll be tuned in. Yeah, I know you will. I know you will. I know you will. Should be a good one. Uh, it'll be interesting. Did you uh, get swept away in the uh, seeing all the Swifties at Arrowhead yesterday? And <laughs> Somebody said on Twitter, what happened yesterday was the equivalent of your buddy at school saying a hot girl from another school is coming with him to the dance, and you yeah. all laughed it off, but then she actually showed up. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, Travis Kelsey-Taylor Swift situation. There you go. All right, uh, we've got a lot of good uh, national college football. Dan versus Dion. The Ducks just dominated Colorado. You had a great game, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Did you like Notre Dame's green unis or not? They're polarizing. Yeah. I'll say that much. They're, they're, I kind of liked them, and normally I don't like going. Look, they've worn green before in the past on yeah. occasion. But, you know, their classic unis are a good look. And the gold – the. The shine on the gold helmets, of course, is the icing on the cake. But and Ohio State's got some nice unis too. But I, the alternate Notre Dame uniforms that I like are the white and gold ones that they wore in Las Vegas last year. Those I think are Notre Dame's best alternate look. But doesn't get much better than their classic look. Old Mule Shoes doing Mule Shoe things again. Uh, USC got a little bit of a scare from Arizona State. They Alex won Grinch twenty eight. Alex yeah. Grinch is doing Alex Grinch things. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so we'll talk a little uh, national college football coming up as well. But want to know what you think about, um, you know, Oklahoma's victory over Cincinnati. All right. And, yes, the referees were horrible. I am not a conspiracy guy. Most of the stuff I see on Twitter, any kind of conspiracy stuff, I'm like, yeah, you're an idiot. But the Big 12 ref stuff, because of what Brett Yormark said in Lubbock and because of the ridiculous amount of holding penalties – that uh, Oklahoma and Texas got last year as compared to what they had called in their favor? Steely. Looks weird. Steely, you know I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, at least not intentionally. But as I'm standing there on the sidelines at Nippert Stadium on Saturday, and I got my camera, I got my telephoto lens, I'm shooting throughout the game. I was shooting a lot of the defensive line, a lot of the defensive ends more specifically. And let me tell you, I had and have on my camera roll right now probably four or five holds, a couple hands-to-the-face penalties, Grayson Halton getting his jersey ripped off his shoulder pads, 
you throw in the blatant P.I. no call Jaleel on Farouk. Jaleel Farouk. Oh, and so I'm sitting bad. there wondering, is there actually a fix in here? The penalty discrepancy in the final quarter, too. Oklahoma was flagged for seven penalties in the fourth quarter. Cincinnati had none. Yeah. yeah. None. I know. It's correct. There's something happening here. What it is. Ain't exactly clear, but it's fairly clear. All right, 405-651-3439. As you guys always do, the text line is just moving like crazy. Uh, Okay, where should we start? Let's start with this one from Pete in Tulsa. Gabriel is just fine. The offensive play calling is puzzling to me. We go out and we score 50, 60 points against two fair teams and then two fair defenses. We don't get scared and don't throw the – I think that might have been voice to text, Pete. Uh, I'm not really following. If you can clarify, follow up with another text. Let us know what you're getting at there. Let's hit another one, though, from a listener in the 918. On DG, you can say he's a good QB and be critical of his play. Some people can't se- can't seem to separate the two. Thank you. The missed throws won't cost them in a game like Cincy, but the game of the Cotton Bowl, you can't leave points like that on the field and expect to win. DG has been really good, but how he plays in the pressure cooker in Dallas will be what he's remembered for. And that's the reality of playing at OU. That's 918. You just nailed it right there. That's what I'm trying to say, too. He's a good quarterback, but, you know, you can't, you can miss a few layups here and there. You can't miss too many to get where you really want to go. And again, uh, maybe the rest of the year, he makes 90% of those throws. He makes most of the throws and is really good. I think he's a great leader. His teammates really like him. You, You look at the numbers and they're great. But also, again, Arkansas State sucks. Tulsa's defense has a couple players, Ostrowski and the, and the, and the uh, defensive back. Uh, and against two defenses where there's some talent, you know, I think Cincinnati, is, particularly their defensive line is really good, but you've got 24 points. So they've left too many average 24 points. You've left too many points out there. And they know that. A listener up in Tulsa, another 918 listener, says, maybe because we've gotten conditioned to high-scoring games and have some defensive PTSD – 42 to 28 sounds sexier than 20 to 6. Same margin of victory. OU fans going to need to recalibrate our thinking. That's almost exactly what I wrote another, yesterday. Another smart one in the right aftermath of the game. Yeah. Like, I, from where I stand, Steely, I would rather see this team open Big 12 play in the year of our Lord 2023 with a 20 to 6 win than a 41 27 win. And again, the margin there is exactly the same. But I think 20-6 to six on the scoreboard speaks to how much tangible mm-hmm. growth there has been on the defensive side of the oh, ball. Yeah, absolutely. And also speaks to the reality that this is now a defense that's capable of winning you football games as opposed to simply not losing you football games. It's not quite as sexy to some, though, right? Although, you know, I, I tweeted this out uh, Saturday. Defense is fun again. You're watching those guys flying around making plays. Danny Stutzman's been incredible. You rarely, this this year, you know, you you, uh, you haven't seen receivers running wide-ass open. And they had, you know, <laughs> there's a difference between wide open and wide-ass open. But they're sticking with the receivers. I, McCullough lost the guy on the wheel route, but other than that, played really well. So, we'll see. Derek from the 405 says, can we talk about how hard that throw to Gibson is to make from the far hash, please? To give some context, that's a 45-yard pass that needs pinpoint precision that most guys would miss the majority of the time. DG is an effective game manager, much the same as Heupel. When you look through that prism, 
DG has spectacular numbers compared to Heupel. Let's put some context in here and not get carried away. And again, the context here is that Dylan Gabriel is in the national top 10 right now in pretty much every major category. Yeah, I mean, he's had a good year. There's no doubt, and I'm not dogging the kid, uh, hopefully too much. I'm just saying, and you're right, that's that's not the easiest throw to make to Jaden Gibson. I just think, again, there have been a few too many layups missed. Over yeah. 17 games, that's all. You know, like I said, you're not going to make every single throw. Do I think that Dylan Gabriel's as good as Josh Heupel talent-wise? Yes. Heupel was a great game manager and a pretty good quarterback in his own right and a tremendous leader. Um, you know, and he also had a great run game going with him, too. And, of course, tremendous defense. And if they can get the run game really going, you know, uh, at least get it into, like, third gear, then I think it's going to be fine. Dirty Mike in Okarchi says, Parker, you and Steelman kind of laughed me off before the first game when I said the weakest part of this team is the punter. This will hurt us at some point. Surely we can have an athlete on the team that can kick the ball 40 yards consistently. It wasn't very yeah, good. I, and I, I was standing there next to Caden McFarland at Nippert Stadium on Saturday, and I turned to him during one break in the action. I said, Caden, I know you don't miss a lot from that 6-7 and seven campaign last year if you're Oklahoma, but is Michael Turk maybe the guy you miss the most right now? Because especially in a game like that, where it is a defensive struggle throughout. Field position was large. Oh, and field position was horrible for OU most of the game, it seemed like, particularly in the first half. And, yeah, again, field position is going to be huge again when you're, when you're taking on that team in burn orange coming up. Texas will be wearing, uh, yes, burn orange. But, um, you know, you're right. It was, it was kind of a plaster disaster <laughs> is what it was. But maybe, maybe they can get him going. Who knows? Cherokee Sooner says, when Teddy Lehman says that's the best defensive performance he's seen, that's something. He is never happy. He did say that on the Oklahoma breakdown. Yes, he did. I heard it. E-Freaky from Illinois says, our fans act like we're Iowa these days. <laughs> yeah, again, look, I, I, look I, have, I know I'm nitpicking. Look, I know, Parker, that I'm nitpicking a little bit. Uh, look, I, I like a lot of what we're seeing out there. But I'm thinking about this. Somebody said, Steely, you're spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. I'm just thinking about these games that are going to be those one-possession games, Parker, and it could be in Dallas. It could be, yeah. you know, at, in Lawrence, Kansas, October 28th, when you can't leave as many plays out there as the OU offense has. That's all I'm saying. May, hopefully they'll get that turned around. Last text before we hit a break here, and it's from Gunny of Stutzman Army, who says, Danny backflipping Stutzman, fellas, is a dude. The officiating is definitely not a conspiracy when it's out in the wide open. <laughs> Gunny, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right, 405-651-3439. I forgot to mention our clips, uh, the Brent and uh, Dylan Gabriel clip, Ortho Central Clips of the Day, Ortho Central Clinics in Norman, Midwest City. New location, relatively new, Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. Now these full-service clinics are unbelievable at treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. Break time right here. Coming back, keep wearing out that text line. You guys are doing a great job. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Be right back. Riverwind Casino, nearly 3,000 electronic games, best games, best bars and dining, world-class hotel, incredible promotions, all your favorite table games, new member seven promotion. Earn up to $450 in one day with your brand-new Riverwind wildcard October concerts. We have some good ones for you at the Showplace Theater next up, Foreigner, October 6th. 
Then you have Carly Pierce, October 14th at the Showplace Theater, a Beats and Bites show. Outdoors in the fall, the Gin Blossoms and Tonic, Beats and Bites 2023, the Coop Ale Works Beats and Bites stage, October 22nd. And then you have uh, Rodney Carrington with a show coming up October 27th at the Showplace Theater. Tickets are available at Riverwind.com or at the Casino Box Office. And get out and play today with your wild card. Get the extra entries today and tomorrow in the 50K Harvest Winnings promotion. Big drawings are happening Saturday night, the final drawings in this promotion. So get the extra entries, play your wild card, particularly today and tomorrow, but anytime throughout the week up until the drawings on Saturday, and get out there and win your share of $50,000 in cash and bonus play. Hey, right before we get back to the text line, can we make fun of Texas Tech for a minute? Let's absolutely can do Can you so. pull Let's... up, uh, if you would, uh, where is it? Joey, Tech loses again. Joey Tech loses again because remember all this preseason talk about Tech and now they're one and three. The Big Twelve runs through Lubbock. That's Steve. right. Yes, everything runs through Lubbock. Everything runs through Lubbock. Joey, we have something here for our special visitors. Hey, maybe you haven't been keeping up on current events, but we just got our asses kicked, pal. Everything runs through Lubbock. Joey. Joey. They're laughing at you on the street. Ain't nobody laughing at me on the street. Turn your back, I seen them laughing at you, fella. No, no, no. <laughs> there you go, Joey. One and three so far. One and three. A loss to West Virginia in Morgantown for Texas Tech. And Tech should get a victory this weekend because they play the horrible Houston Cougars this weekend. But that was very enjoyable to see Tech drop to one and three. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet Text Line. I truly can't believe I was touting Texas Tech as a sleeper Big 12 championship contender. But Were you really? Yeah. I, I don't I, really remember you touting him that no, much. No, like, well, and I, I wouldn't have picked them in the to make the mm-hmm. Big 12 championship game before the season, but I remember saying several times about Texas Tech, man, they made strides a year ago. They have a relatively easy schedule. There's a path for Texas Tech to get to Arlington. And I said this repeatedly. And now Joey McGuire and the Sand Aggies have made me look like a moron. <laughs> anyway, back to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. A-Train says, I was baffled by dudes moaning about Michael Turk putting punts into the end zone. And yeah, I think what I think what Saturday underscored is that you would rather have a guy who punts it too far than a guy who punts it too short. That's true. That is very true. Yes. Sugar Shane in Newcastle and Jason in Okmogi almost simultaneously asked about Jaron Kanick. He was discharged from the hospital pretty expediently on Saturday, traveled back with the team. I, it's one of those situations where realistically he should be back in action this weekend against Iowa State. But the question becomes, given what type of football team you're dealing with in Iowa State and who's on the other side coming up on October 7th, do you maybe hold him out a week, especially with how strong your linebacker play has been overall, yeah, to make we'll sure see. he's ready for Texas? We will see. David from Norman is questioning me. Steely, I just tuned in. Did you blame DG for the overthrow to Farouk? People who know a lot more than you, like Teddy said, it was a perfectly thrown ball. He said Farouk was guest. Yes, David. I listened to the Oklahoma breakdown, too, just like you did. I also heard Teddy say that during the game. In fact, I mentioned that he was probably gassed, according to people. So people who text and know a lot more than you as well have pointed out the same thing. 
So you were looking for your gotcha moment. You didn't quite get it. Sorry. People who know a lot more than you, like Teddy. I listened to the breakdown, too. I heard that, and I heard it on the radio, too, and I thought, you know, that's probably a good point. He just ran, had a big catch and run. They came right back to the line. So, no, I did not do that. I know you were looking to get me there, David, but you didn't quite do it. Tyler from Kellyville says, I bet Oklahoma State would trade their entire quarterback room for DG. Well, yeah, clearly. I mean, geez. That is, man, that is a bad, bad situation. LaDonna from Lubbock says, what did you just call them? The sand what? The sand Aggies. That's what LaDonna from Lubbock. I I didn't realize that until a couple months ago that the Texas fans called them sand Aggies. They called the Baylor Bears the Bible Aggies. <laughs> it's the only good thing Texas message boards have, have ever done for I, society. Like, what? So, yes. I will not miss Texas Tech in anything. There's something about, I don't know what it is about Texas Tech, but I think I'm still traumatized by the J.D. Runnels, you know, go Raiders, dude. (laughs) And I just, I don't know, I just never liked him. Five-star Randy says, defense travels better than offense. We no longer have to see who has the ball last to know who will win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that goes back to what I was saying a segment ago, which is, I don't, I don't know if everybody agrees with this, but I would rather see Oklahoma go to Nippert and win a game 20-6 to six than 41-27. to 27. Yeah, I, look, there's a lot to like. And, look, I realize I'm nitpicking a little bit. 4-0 and and the way this defense has played has been amazing. They just – I think more than anything else, what they've got to do is they've got to get that running game going. You know, they've got to be more consistent – I don't know if they're going to be great running the football at any point this year, but they've got to be better. They've got to be better, and pass protection has been unbelievable. Oh, boy. Bill from Eufaula says, The coaches say they want competitive depth. Why is quarterback the only position where they don't allow a true competition? Every other position's reserve players got reps Saturday. Is Bill from Eufaula Mike Gundy's burner? I'm, because maybe. let me tell you, Bill, Oklahoma State is why you don't have what you would term a true competition at quarterback. The old adage, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Yeah, what, what is it when you have three quarterbacks? You don't have one. Less than zero. That's right. Yes. Yes, that's right. I'm sorry. My brain was, you know, kind of on dial-up right now. So, all right, uh, 405-651. Yeah, and like I said, it seems like there are two camps on DG, and it's like almost anything else in society. There's no nuance. There's nobody – you know, you've got to have a hot take or that's it, right, in this day and age. But there are those, oh, man, he's horrible. God, he's so bad. And then there are, man, you shouldn't say one negative word about Dylan Gabriel. I'm trying to be the biggest OU fan out there. He is a really good quarterback. But I think he still misses a few throws here and there. And, again, I have to say it a million times because – Every quarterback does, but, you know, they've just left a few too many out there points-wise, uh, you know, in, in a couple of these games that could come back to haunt them. But there's a lot to like, too. Lane in California texted in. He says he is a loyal KREF listener since 2012. So there you go. Nice. He has been a member of the Ref Army since before I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So Lane in California says, hey, guys. Are we missing out not having that halfback Swiss Army knife threat like Flowers, Hall, Millard, Carson Meyer? It seemed to be a punishing element to our powerful offenses. What do you think? 
That's especially with Oklahoma's struggles in the running game. I do think that's a timely question. Yeah, I you know I don't know who would that guy be though, right? Uh, they're trying to hand the ball to Jalil Farouk a little bit, and he's got some good movement movement to him, good speed and everything. But uh, they just – I don't know if it's a lack of uh, rhythm in the run game because they played so many backs. Barnes and Sawchuck were banged up in the fall. Barnes was coming off a foot procedure. Uh, Sawchuck, you know, they didn't get a lot of carries. Maybe they're saving those guys a little bit. I do think the run game is going to get better. It can't be this inconsistent all year long, and it has to be. What do you think about the, uh, that text? What's your take? Is there is there a weapon that they're missing? The tight ends have not been a big <laughs> but, weapon. No, and I, I'm not writing off Austin Stogner. I think his lack of usage, I, emphasis on think, I think his last, lack of usage is somewhat by design mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, yeah, I'm I think you. one that's one thing they're maybe trying to hold back in advance of the Texas Braden game. Braden Willis just, has been missed, no doubt. We talked about that. They lose their best receiver, Marvin Mims. See what he did again yesterday? At least he was one shining moment for Denver yesterday. And, uh, Eric Gray, of course, and, uh, and Braden Willis and Dylan Gabriel were their best offensive players. So you lost three of those four guys. But I, I'm with you. I think it's more by design so far. Yeah, I just – more than anything else, I just want Oklahoma to establish some rhythm in terms of who's getting the carries offensively because what makes zero sense to me – and I – I'm sure it makes sense to the folks within the building at the Switzer Center, so I'm not trying to diss on them, but what makes zero sense to me is why you roll with Tawi Walker and Marcus Major one week, then Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes the next week, and neither Walker nor Major sees a carry, Mm -hmm. and then the next week it's back to Walker and Major, and Barnes and Sawchuk don't even touch the field on offense. Look, I, I still think if they're healthy and if they've been going through and getting all the reps the other backs have, that Barnes and Sawchuck are the better backs. And I'm, I'm not dogging Marcus Major and, uh, and Tawi Walker. Obviously, they've earned their spots, and they've, they've had their moments. You know, big run on third down the other day for Marcus Major. Tawi Walker just absolutely trucked a cornerback on Saturday in a collision that was very ugly for the Cincinnati player. But um, I don't know. I still, I still have a feeling they're going to get – more out of the running game eventually last text from hawaiian sooner had a moment of weakness and listened to the other station i immediately cringed and repented in sackcloth and ashes you were absolved hawaiian sooner we welcome you back to the ref army with Mm -hmm. open arms there you go all right break time right here 405-651-3439 was i too mean to david but he came after me he said People who know a lot more than you. No, I don't think so. And you shouldn't start with, I just tuned in. (laughs) That's why. You're telling on yourself at that point. Because I literally said, Farouk looked like he was gassed, and people said at the game that he was gassed. That's probably why the overthrow happened. But he still came after me. Okay, be nicer to people. Be be nicer. Steely's ready to step in the octagon today. Well, I mean, he's a, I, everybody knows that Gabe and Teddy know more football everybody knows than me. That. But you don't have to come at, I just tuned in. People who know more than you are saying. People also know not to put, I just tuned in, and then make a bold statement, all right? We're coming right back. All right, we are back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on the home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. 
Thanks to Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our opening hour, 405-579-3113. Here on uh, The Ref, Jesse Crittenden coming up at 135. Why no coordinators today? Do we do we know? Are they changing They have up? canceled coordinator availabilities for the remainder of the season. Really? The yes. rest of the year? Why? Why? Your guess is as good mm. as mine. I was told... Well, Jesse Crittenden was told, mm. and thus pass it on to me, that it is being done to, and I quote, simplify their schedules. Okay. Well, so no more this. no more Jeff Levy and no more Ted Roof on Monday mornings. The uh, the media availability situation at OU, and I used to deal with that a lot more, like you did, when I was out there, you know, covering practice and games and all that stuff all the time before I got old. Um, they they have plenty of media avails. Yeah. They have wow. plenty of media avails. They've done a great job in that and, situation. Yeah. So look, would I, I like to hear them? Yes, but I'm not going to complain because they have uh, they have a pretty much an open door policy. I think compared to what was previous, which was uh, we hate doing this. Fort and, Knox. Yes, pretty much. So, all right. Four hey, at least, yeah. least Muleshoe lifted that reporter's suspension. He did. Yes, he caved to the mob. He did, and a lot of people, you know, what do you want him to do? You guys want to, you know, but if you take a stance, then less than 24 hours later, and you kind of can't, the whole thing looked bad, looked really bad. All right, because they were getting bad publicity from it. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. I mean, if that would have been, they wouldn't have caved if it weren't for all the negative publicity out there, especially with social media. Can't wait for Muleshoe to do a sit-down with Graham Bensinger about his side of the Luca <laughs> Evans beef. He's trying to break into my mansion up there. All right, uh, let's get back to the text line. Dan in Madison, Mississippi says, Before the season started, I watched a bunch of old OU games on ESPN+. Let me assure you, our memory, our memory of the great ones is a bit skewed. Baker, Kyle, uh, Kyler, Jason, and Sam all missed plenty of throws. The greatest we have had to offer all missed throws. Yeah. I mean, all the quarterbacks do. Like I said, I just think they've left a few out there. That's all I'm saying. And I think he would be a very big beneficiary of a better running game. And, you know, we'll see if that's going to happen. Texas looks pretty stout up front. And I know everybody thinks waiting for Texas to do something Texas-like. Uh, looked like they might against Wyoming, but they absolutely just absolutely dominated Baylor. Ah, Trey Dissident has chimed in. Why even recruit five-star quarterbacks? Let's just keep getting group of five transfers and passing them off as fine since the new OU football is winning 9-6. to six. <laughs> Trey is one of those who is not in the DG camp. He might be the the president of that club, I think. You know, like I said, there's no, you know, I, a lot of people are out there trying to be the biggest Sooner fan ever. I'm never going to criticize DG. Okay, I get that. And like I said, in every situation in this day and age, it seems you're you either are on one side, hot take, or the other. Dylan Gabriel's a is a good quarterback for Oklahoma. The question is still out there: Is he good enough, you know, to go into the Cotton Bowl and make some tough throws? We'll see. The, that yeah, question's still um, out there. Sure. And look, I. I am by no means trying to crown Dylan Gabriel the second coming. But, Trey, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let's just say Jackson Arnold wins the job in preseason camp. And through four games, Jackson Arnold 
has accounted for 14 touchdowns to just two turnovers, is completing 79% of his passes, and is top 10 nationally in most every major category for quarterbacks. Are you clamoring for whoever the backup is in that case? If Jackson Arnold mm-hmm. has had done exactly what Dylan Gabriel has through four games, is this a conversation at all? Yeah. Now, uh, good point. Why is criticism uh, considered hatred? See, and that's that's my point. And all I'm saying is I'm trying to point out some things. I think Oklahoma's vastly improved. I think the defensive improvement has been amazing. They're leaving too much out there on the field offensively because, like I said, the two defenses that they played this year that really are were challenging, they've scored 48 points. They're averaging 24, you know. I And, again, I think they're going to clean that up and get better. But, you know uh, – that's kind of what I'm looking at. You can't keep leaving. You know, Jeff Levy talks about that a lot. We played it. We'll play a soundbite later. You know, we left too much out there. You can leave some out there on the field of the Cotton Bowl, but you can't leave that much out there. That's all I'm saying. I guess I'm a hater. All right, 405-651-3439. Keep those texts rolling in. 405-651-3439. We have Jesse Crittenden coming up next hour as well. We'll get his take on uh, Nippert Stadium, the environment, the Sooners' victory. Bottom line is, defense is back at Oklahoma. The Sooners are 4-0, and they've got a chance to win the league and go to the playoff. They're sitting actually in a good spot. But it is the University of Oklahoma. We are allowed because the standard is the standard. Be right back. Make it three when we add Jesse Crittenden later. And if you're an olds like me and you want to eliminate reading glasses like me, usually it happens around the uh, age of 43. If you're either farsighted, nearsighted, you need to call my guy, Dr. Bellardo. Known him for years and years and years. It's been a long time since I had my procedure done, but some checkups, everything's looking good. And I totally trust him and the staff there at the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Check him out. Call 405-755-7700. 405-755-7700. See if you qualify for lens replacement or cataract surgery from the experts at Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Dr. B and his team have been the leaders in vision correction for over 20 years. 405-755-7700. Like they always say there, if you want to see far, you want to see near, you have to come here to the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. And they're, they're doing a lot of new stuff over there, too, that's, that's uh, state-of-the-art. So they're good people there, too. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. Which national game did you enjoy the most? I know that you didn't get to see some because of your responsibilities there at the game, but were you happy to see the Colorado beat down? <laughs> Look, I was I happy to see Colorado beat down? No, I, I'm not one of those that's sitting here praying on Dion's downfall. Mm-hmm. But I will say the Dion apologists really showed their true colors. Yeah, after that game because they, man, they love it when Dion talks his smack and backs it up. They can't stand it when Dan Lanning talks his smack and backs Speaking it up. Speaking of, pull up uh, the Dan Lanning versus Dion clip because this was uh, uh, this was Dan Lanning. We had some crazy coaches going on this weekend. Dan Lanning versus Dion. You guys have heard of it. I want to play it, and then we'll talk about it. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. 
right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. I don't say stuff just to say it for a click, you know, contrary to what some may say. But, uh, yeah, I, get, I keep receipts. Uh, but I'm serious. I analyze and I understand what we're up against and what we have and what we need. One thing that I can say honestly and candidly, you better get me right now. This is. Oh, yeah. we lost Dion. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Here's, yeah. the, here's the end of it. Okay. This is the worst we're going to be. You better get me right now. There you go. Uh, and he will be in the Big 12 soon, of course. So it'll be very interesting because I don't know that he'll – will he have another battle eventually with Dan Lanning down the road? Maybe. Eh. We'll see. Who's to say? Uh, I, think- I will tell you this much. That Colorado offense will have a much easier time moving the ball this weekend. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. Look, Dan Lanning's a defensive guy, but that Oregon offense with Bo Nix, pretty, uh, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, Colorado's been a good story. Look, Dion's been a great hire. Like I said, just the buzz around the program. Uh, Dion again, it's so weird because he's, I really believe he's a strong man of faith. And, uh, you know, a lot of what he's teaching his kids looks really good. I know people don't like all the flash and the glamour. Dion's always been about that, but, uh, you know, so far, uh, I think most of us thought Colorado would have a tough time in that game, but it, it was a beatdown, no doubt. Uh, by the way, let's play two more crazy ones. Pull up Ryan Day goes crazy in the Battle of Ohio. Oh, this was hilarious. I'm like, okay, it was like manufactured, really? I understand he was fired, but he's coming after an 86-year-old man. Let's start with Ryan Day yeah, goes well, crazy. Yeah, well, like, not only that – an 86-year-old man who is the former head coach of the University of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Look, and I get it. Coaches try any motivation they can get. They'll use whatever they can. But this is Ryan Day after their big win in South Bend Saturday night. Physicality, cross the board, finish it off, having guts. You know, like I like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team, what he said about our team, I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio. It's always been Ohio against the world. It'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. <laughs> what is this imaginary battle of Ohio? We're proud to be from Ohio. It's always been Ohio against the world. It'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. I mean, come on. Really? Is everybody against the state of Ohio? What's happened is, you know, the losses to Michigan, and uh, I, I don't know. I just found it very weird that he decided he was really going to go after uh, Lou Holtz like that. Now, we have long known that Ryan Day is basically the mule shoe of the North, mm-hmm. but he <laughs> he really displayed the full extent of his mule shoe-esque insecurity. Yeah. In that moment after the football game. Instead of Nanook of the North, it is the Mule Shoe of the North. Uh, you have to know cinema to know that uh, reference. It, so. If what Lou Holtz, of all people, said about your football team has you that hot and bothered, especially when I don't even know what Lou Holtz said, Steely. So, like, it clearly wasn't something that Notre made Dame national was headlines. much more physical. Ohio State's not physical enough. Notre Dame, I think he said, would win by 10 points. Okay. And, and like, that's disrespect. Holtz is like six months away from eating peaches in a rest home. And you're coming after him like that? I I don't know. It just sounded like it kind of uh, – he got on a roll and he sounded like a professional wrestler there. So, Cherokee <laughs> Sooner says the man went through puberty about four times in that <laughs> clip. <laughs> a 
another 918 listener. Ryan Day gives me I'm a man, I'm 40 vibes. Oh, man. That was uh, that was an interesting game. Notre Dame ends up with 10 players on the field there on that last play where Ohio State scores. But uh, we'll see. All right. Uh, speaking of, before we get back to the text line, let's get to some recruiting stuff. Okay. Terry Bussey Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. And what are we thinking? Man. I don't know. I, I feel it'll be either A&M or Oklahoma. Honestly, I, 60, I lean 40, A&M. 60-40 A&M, I, are I, you I, there? I lean A&M. All right. Like, it's just, again, it feels a lot like the McKinley deal. And there's that continual optimism from the Oklahoma side. And so, I don't know, man, maybe things maybe things change in the next 72 hours. Maybe things ramp up. Maybe the momentum Joe, starts you to You got to look but... out for Mr. Jones, man. He's – that man is a recruiting machine. So, we'll see. Somebody's asking about, is Bryant Wesco coming in this weekend? I, th- there's been a lot of smoke about that. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. There have been people on social media talking about that. Look, if Bryant Wesco does show up to Oklahoma, here's what I can almost promise you will be the case. You will not have advance notice it is happening. Either that or, well, either he will show up without any advance notice or he will publicly announce a decommitment from Clemson before he ever lays plans Mm -hmm. to visit Oklahoma because – Clemson has Oklahoma's same visit policy, right? So if he shows up to Oklahoma, necessarily he must decommit from Clemson. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and uh, kind of same policy there. Clemson at 2-2. Two and two. You know, they – look, I had Florida State as my lack of the week. Clemson should have won the game, bottom line. Yeah, David from Norman's back. He says that uh, Holt's called uh, Ohio State soft, and he's right. That's basically it. So, uh, anyway. All right, David, I'm sorry if I was too mean to you. I don't think I was, but maybe – Anyway, just it's an old cranky old man. We get cranky sometimes, you know. I haven't had my tapioca pudding yet today, but yes, that's what Lou Holt said. Chapstick says recruiting wise, is the five star receiver committed to Tech? That'd be Micah Hudson. Mm-hmm. Re look at OU now. Uh, no, because I'll tell you this much: from what I know, Micah Hudson is already bought and paid for by the Sand Aggies, and. If he is to decommit down the line, I would look at the Longhorns and potentially a program like LSU or Alabama to be the landing spot. So Micah Hudson and OU were never really a thing. They were never really a thing. By the way, can Missouri start losing some of these games? I mean, the last two, uh, Kansas State, 60, what was it, 61-yard field goal. Memphis, they hang on to win. They got Bandy this weekend. Missouri needs to start losing some games. At they Bandy, will. Yeah, I mean, they're going to lose. Uh, man, what do they have left? All right, they add Vanderbilt, uh, LSU at home. Loss. Kentucky and Lexington. Loss. South Carolina at home. Loss. Georgia in Athens. Loss. Tennessee at home. Loss. Florida at home. Loss. At Arkansas. Loss. Okay, they're going to start 5-0. and They'll finish 5-7. and How about go. Luke Haz over the weekend, man? He was good, man. Two touchdown yeah. catches. Arkansas played their Razorback butts off, but lost LSU in uh, Tiger Stadium Saturday night. But Luke has the guy had himself a game. Yeah. Big Kid's time. Kid's good. 59-yard touchdown, I believe, reception. He had two TD catches on the night. 
All right, uh, 405-651-3439. So do we know what time Terry Bussey is making his announcement Thursday? I don't know. I'll check up on that. But Do you think you guys will send anybody, or is that going to be? Well, it depends. On the smoke? It'll be a game-time decision, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, A&M sent one reporter to the uh, DJ Hicks announcement, right? Wasn't that... That I don't think it. there were any A&M reporters at DJ Hicks. I thought there was, like, one who got called in, like, last second. Man, things have changed. Get your butt there. So, anyway. All right. Uh, 405-651-3439. Uh, what do you think? <clears throat> and uh, not supposed to look ahead, but I'll do it anyway. Um, OU Texas right now. The line, I think Texas was a five-point favorite was the okay, last I heard. Okay, which is fair. What are you thinking? I mean, Texas, look, they look pretty good so far. And you can talk about, well, Bama's quarterback sucks, and then it's not the same Bama. Okay, you still went to Tuscaloosa and won. They dominated Baylor. I know they messed around for three quarters with Wyoming. Um I don't know. It's gonna be inter- it's gonna be a it's gonna be a very interesting game, no doubt. Sooners, you know, can they run the football in that game coming up? Of course, you got to take care of business this weekend. Iowa State's defense is still good, pretty good. But I don't know the, and we did find out what everybody knew. It'd be an eleven a.m. kickoff earlier today. But so that line sounds about right to you. Texas is like five point favorite right now. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's fair. How in bought what, in are, are on Texas are you right now? Are you still thinking, eh, you know what? Yeah, it looks look, good I, so far, but... Yeah, I'm still skeptical of Texas. I'm admittedly skeptical of Texas. And I think that OU-Texas game, and this is not unlike the narrative every single year, we are going to pretty immediately find out how real both of these programs are yeah. when they face off in the Cotton Bowl. And they both should be 5-0 and heading into this game. Texas has to play Kansas before the Red River Showdown, so maybe they're tested. Maybe they're challenged a little bit more I think than Oklahoma they, I is think this we, weekend. They will be challenged. Lance Leipold, man, that guy can coach. They can coach, no yeah. doubt. So, Hey, he's undefeated in Austin. He is. Absolutely he is. All right, break time right here. want to thank uh, Oklahoma Generator for sponsoring hour number two here on The Ref, okgen.com. You could call them at 405-321-6631. Oklahoma's most experienced service and sales staff currently offering new customer discounts and a free 10-year warranty with new installations. Oklahoma Generator, thank you, okgen.com, 405-321-6631. Coming right back here on The Ref. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, back with you. Monday edition, home of Sooner fans, the Ref Army, lighting up our text line again, 405-651-3439. Sooners, a 20-and-a-half point favorite against Iowa State, 6 o'clock kick. That means a 2 o'clock pregame show for us. Game will be on Fox Sports 1. We did learn, as expected, the Sooners in Texas, 11 a.m. in the Cotton Bowl, a week from this Saturday on ABC. All right, 405-651-3439. I know you guys will get a lot more in-depth at the top of the hour, but any other news on Grant Briggs or Michael Boganowski or Eddie Pierre-Louis or uh, you talked, we talked earlier about Terry Bussey, who's making his decision coming up on uh, Thursday. A&M apparently has a lead, but Oklahoma's in the mix, very much in the mix, at yeah. least those two. 
Any other news you want to share? You got to see uh, Brandon Zerbrug, right, too? I did get to see Brandon Zerbrug. And that was fun. The report? That was fun. I really see why Jeff Levy in Oklahoma liked the kid because he is, and this is, this. I hope nobody interprets this as a knock on the kid because it's not, but he is a poor man's Jackson Arnold. Has a lot of the same tools, a lot of the same traits as Jackson Arnold. He's just not nearly as impressive in any of those capacities as Jackson Arnold because Jackson Arnold is one of a kind. The offense he runs, the way that he plays the game, uh, it all reminds me of Jackson Arnold when he was at the high school level. Now, again, he is not as fast, doesn't quite have the arm talent, doesn't quite have the alpha dog type of mentality that Jackson Arnold had and has, but very easy to see what Oklahoma spotted in the quarterback out of Alliance, Ohio. All right, and uh, Grant Bricks, Boganowski, any other smoke out there? I mean, look, Boganowski visited Kansas this past weekend. Not Kansas State. He visited Kansas this past weekend. And so at this point, I'm like, what is going on here? I'm kind of lost with the whole Boganowski recruitment. Not that I don't know what's going on because it's very easy to tell what's going on. It's a kid that, much like the Bricks situation, he just – he didn't want to tell anybody no. Sooner or later, he's going to have to tell somebody no. And you saw Oklahoma kick out the offer to Reggie Powers, the Michigan State safety commit last week. That's their way of kind of prodding Boganowski. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's let's figure this out. And then with Bricks, man, <sighs> there hasn't been any news in a month on that kid. And I don't know when there will be news at this point. He's not yeah. taking any visits, hmm. and he has repeatedly stated, stated as much. He is not taking any visits until he makes a decision. So, really, it's just that kid sitting at home with his parents trying to hash out where he wants to play college football. And until that happens, I can't give you an update on anything. There you go. All right, 405-651-3439. We do have uh, Jesse Crittenden coming up on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline. Uh, in our next segment, we get a ton of text to get to, as always. So That's let's do it. we do. Dean Choctaw says, according to that Bricks video I saw over the weekend, we don't want him. Oh yeah, he's make he's. It's a joke. It's a joke for those that are on the OU side of Twitter because rivals. The rivals main page posted a video of Bricks jogging I before saw the it. game. Yeah, everyone's like, he's so unathletic. He's incredibly <laughs> overrated. Looks like a serious knee injury or something. Yeah, I saw a couple of those comments. So, yeah. It it amazes me how many people are comfortable saying stuff with their own mouths in person or on social media without having watched mm-hmm. a second of film. Well, they just tuned in. Uh, what about uh, Akin Kunmi, by the way? 913, thanks for bringing that up. Daniel Akin Kunmi, what do we know there? October 12th, he's committing. So, so he, I mean, he dropped his OU official visit video. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, so that was fun for a lot of Sooner fans. But, yeah, look, the story on that one is pretty straightforward. He's committing on October 12th. He canceled all his remaining visits after his OV to Oklahoma. Put two and two together. So October 12th, there will be an edit out with Daniel Akinkunmi in an Oklahoma uniform. Pretty much is what you're saying. If that's what your two and two adds up to, Steely, Mm -hmm. then yes. I can cipher, just like Jethro Bodine on the Beverly Hillbillies. I can cipher. Okay, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Okay, here's an interesting question from the 918. 
and you knew this was going to get asked at some point because of what happened in 2021. What would have to happen for Jackson Arnold to come in for Gabriel during the Red River showdown? How many points would we be down until Lebby makes that decision? I mean, a lot depends on the circumstances of how it happened. If there was a pick six throw and a fumble from Dylan Gabriel or something that led to, you know, another Texas touchdown, you know, or it it depends on the circumstances. I would be surprised to see that happen, but what do you think, Parker? What would what would it take? Total disaster? I, I think or if, if you're under the impression that Dylan Gabriel doesn't have a very, very short leash, you're not paying attention because you don't use a guy as much as Oklahoma has used Jackson Arnold through the first four games of the season unless you're trying to prepare him for something. And I'm not talking about 2024. Very clearly, they want to have Arnold ready to roll if and when the time comes for him to step onto the football field for Oklahoma as a true freshman and run that offense, whether by injury or by inept play from Dylan Gabriel. Now, I, the way I look at it, Steely, Dylan Gabriel hasn't done anything to this point that puts him in remote danger of losing his job. But if that happens, like let's just say – he comes out against Texas, throws two interceptions in the first quarter, Sooners are in a multi-possession hole right off the bat. You don't think there's at least going to be a conversation on the sidelines? Hey, think we put in Jackson Arnold here? Mm-hmm. No, that, that will be a conversation. The leash is short, and that doesn't mean you don't have trust in Dylan Gabriel because the Sooners obviously do, but the leash is short because Jackson Arnold is just that good. Yeah. Uh, Big Rich and OKC, you can plan on the Jackson-Arnold package in the Texas game. I think there's a good chance that could happen, too. Now, and again, it could be the whole setup on a short-yarded situation, even though it wasn't working. But I, I think you will see Jackson-Arnold in at some point in the Texas game, even, <laughs> if, even if DG's playing okay. From you know, a listener or, in the 405. Or, or good. Jackson-Arnold will play against Texas in the second half because we're kicking their tail. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Oh, here's a texter from Illinois chiming in. As a sad Chicago Bears fan, my condolences. Please tell me that Mule Shoe and Caleb Williams will not be in Chicago next year. This possibility is worrying me. Who knows? Caleb might come back. You know, he's already talked about maybe coming back. This is elite work from Spence in Tulsa. This is a guy that's been listening to the whole show because he said, just tuned in but excited to hear JFA will play in the Cotton Bowl. (laughs) Oh, man. So, anyway. From the 918, yeah, it's important going into Texas week to have him ready. Gabriel is a hit away from us being down to our backups. Key Lawrence actually (laughs) was the one that mentioned this in postgame. After the game on Saturday. He said, look, everybody's got to stay ready. We all got to stay ready. And he was talking about, I, as I recall, he was talking about playing a bigger role with Reggie Pearson's mm-hmm. sideline. He said, look, pretty much everybody on this roster is a hamstring away from being on the field. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I don't know if I speak for everybody here because I feel like some people are, and they're, they're JFA zealots to the point where, they wouldn't mind if Gabriel got hurt. But I think the hope is that Dylan Gabriel doesn't get hurt. 
The hope is that Dylan Gabriel is able to stay healthy throughout the 2023 season, and you don't have to have Jackson Arnold come in and save the day. But if that opportunity arises, Oklahoma's done all they can, I think, to this point to prepare that guy for that moment because they haven't been shy about bringing him into football games through the first third of this season. So we need to put an over and under on snaps for Jackson Arnold in the Cotton Bowl next week. We need to set a line, I think, is what we need to do. All right, 405-651-3439. Ronnie Crimson says, give me Caleb, but no mule shoe, please. Vinny Paul says, the kid still doesn't get it. I think the kid is me here. The staff trusts Gabriel, but he has a short leash. How do you define trust to your wife? I don't even know where to start with that one. Yes, they trust Dylan Gabriel. Obviously, they trust Dylan Gabriel. And also, like, these these two things are not mutually exclusive. To say that the staff has trust in Dylan Gabriel and that three interceptions in the first half against Texas might be enough for them to pull the trigger on Jackson Arnold. Yeah, and, and again, when you've got a really good option that you feel good about, if you've got, you know... Uh... You know, a guy that you think, hey, maybe he can give us a spark in that situation. Unlike last year, which was a disaster, obviously. Uh, Jackson Arnold also looks like a guy. And it, it could be, you know, think about this. This is Dylan Gabriel's first OU Texas game. Obviously, for the mighty Quinn, this will be number two. All right? So, we'll see. All right, we got a break right here. Appreciate your text. Keep them rolling in, 405 405- 651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Coming back, Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, will join us. He was at Cincinnati over the weekend as well. We'll get his take on everything and uh, talk sooner as Iowa State and uh, get his thoughts on uh, the Dylan Gabriel stuff right here on The Ref. Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, hopping on the Riverwind Casino hotline with us here on the Home of Sooner Fans on this Monday edition, and uh, Jesse, what was your uh, what was your biggest takeaway? A couple points uh, that stood out to you from the Sooners' two touchdown road win in Cincinnati over the weekend. What stood out to you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was, I mean, if there was any doubt that this defensive improvement from last year is real, uh, that should certainly be gone. That was one of the most impressive defensive performances I've seen from an Oklahoma team. Uh, in quite some time. I mean, to do that on the road, you know, to hold Cincinnati to, to six points, Cincinnati that, I, you know, I think is a pretty decent offense, especially on the ground. And not only to, to hold Cincinnati without a touchdown, but to really keep their running game largely in check. I mean, this is a team that averaged uh, nearly 240 rushing yards per game coming in, and they had 40 at halftime. Uh, yeah, they were eighth in the country in the rushing offense coming into the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they were averaging, you know, less than two and a half yards per carry at halftime. Finished with 141, but, you know, a couple of those big runs in the fourth quarter kind of came when the game was well in hand. But I think the most impressive part about the defense was that they made plays when they really, really needed to. I mean, there were times when Cincinnati moved the ball, um, but OU, I mean, whether it was in the red zone or whether it was on third down. Uh, I mean, this, this OU defense made made plays when they needed to, and that's the thing. At the end of the day, Cincinnati can move the ball, but, but uh, you know, OU's defense did a really good job on capitalizing on opportunities. And I think ultimately, on a day where the offense was uh, inconsistent, you know, I think if you, if you put last year's team, you know, in, in that game on Saturday, I think that outcome could have looked a lot different. If it's not for 
a really good defensive performance. I think things could have gone different, but either way, all things considered, to go on the road, to open Big 12 play in a hostile environment, win by two touchdowns, pretty impressive. Jesse, what is going on with the Sooners' backfield right now? That's kind of the million-dollar question through four weeks, and I think what's and the thing that's so interesting about it is coming into the season, the running back room was largely seen reasonably as 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 one of the more solid airtight uh, position groups on the team and through four weeks that just simply has not been the case it's not only the lack of efficiency on the ground I mean OU is averaging four yards per carry on the season which is fine but it's it's not great no matter how you slice it but again you look at uh, you look at Saturday where I mean at halftime this team had 35 yards on 19 carries. Uh, you know, they found a little bit more success in the second half, but uh, it's clear two things. This running, you know, the running game has not been particularly effective or efficient. And through four weeks, the rotation in this backfield isn't settled. I mean, for Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk to get all of the work against Tulsa and then for neither of them to see an offensive snap. Uh, against Cincinnati, it's it's just it's just really interesting. And you know, Parker, I've said this to you that I, I don't know if it's necessarily in cause for a you know a huge five alarm fire, major major concern. But I think you wanted to see this running back room feel a little bit more settled, thirty three percent through the regular season. And I think that there was more questions about the backfield than than there was when the season started. So the next. You know, this weekend against Iowa State is going to be really interesting to see how do the carries shake out. It seems like they've almost they've almost you know have paired up Tolly Walker and Marcus Major and, and Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk. But uh, you know, the last two games it ha- it's either been you know one of the pairs. It hasn't been both. So uh, you know, I think the offensive line, the running blocking has been you know a little bit of a concern through four weeks. But either way, it's clear that this coaching staff is still trying to figure out. Uh, what what exactly they've got and how this needs to shake out. Jesse Crinton with us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right. Um, so everybody's talking about Dylan Gabriel again because, you know, the throw to Jalil Farouk, and I know there's talk at that. Well, Jalil Farouk was just gassed. You know, he couldn't get to the ball. Uh, the previous play, run and catch, back to the line of scrimmage. That's how that went down. It was kind of a tough throw to Jaden Gibson to get it over there, but Jaden Gibson clearly had his guy beat. So you've got those in the Dylan Gabriel crowd where, you know, he just can't make enough big throws and he misses too many layups against the crowd that says get off his back. Um, As you look at it, Jesse, um, you know, just being real here, the two defenses, and Cincinnati's got a really good defensive line. Their secondary is all right. But uh, against – SMU and against Cincinnati, they've averaged 24 points, and they've left a lot of a lot out there. Where are you right now? Because Dylan's numbers look great, and he he has played well. But where are you on what's going on with DG and the offense? And how much is you know the running game? If they can finally get that going, take that load off his shoulders. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that last part there about the running game because I think there's a few different ways to look at how Dylan Gabriel in this passing offense has looked through four games. Uh, the reality is, I mean, statistically, Dylan Gabriel is in the top 10 to 15 in pretty much every major stat, whether that's uh, touchdowns, passing efficiency, passing completion rate, uh, touchdowns, passing yards. Uh, statistically, Dylan Gabriel has looked really good. Having said that, yeah, there were probably, there were, there were definitely some moments 
in that Cincinnati game where, you know, there's a throw here or there that Dylan Gabriel needs to make. And it didn't burn them against Cincinnati, but maybe it burns them, you know, against Texas or TCU or Kansas. Um, Both of those things can be true. That I I think Dylan Gabriel through four weeks has largely been really good, even with uh, a couple of throws that he really does need to make. Those are there are a couple of things that need to be shored up. But I I think it's understated how much the running game has probably had an effect on the passing game. I mean, you look at Jeff Levy's offenses historically; they run the ball more than they pass. I mean, last year. Yes, it was with Eric Gray on the team, but, you know, this team ran the ball 56% of the time. You know, I think Jeff Levy's offenses largely used the run to set up the pass. And really, for the most part, against SMU and, and Cincinnati, it was kind of on Dylan Gabriel to generate offense because the running game is not is not playing very efficiently. So I think the overall takeaway is that there have just been moments through the first four weeks where things look a little disjointed. Not everything is operating really smoothly. There's been really good moments, but there's been some tough moments too. I mean, I, I even think about that moment in the first half where, you know, Dylan Gabriel tried to, to shovel it, uh, I think, to, to Farouk, and the ball went, you know, bounced out of bounds and, uh, you know, went into the backfield. But there's just been moments like that. So ultimately, I think Dylan Gabriel's largely been good. I think it's hard to criticize him too much. But there are some things to be shored up. But I, I honestly think it ultimately starts with getting the running back, you know, getting the running room going. I think if the running room can get going, that will help things run a little bit more smoothly in the passing game. The Sooners' defense is performing well as a unit right now, Jesse. And look at a guy like Key Lawrence is just one example of a bunch of the elder statesmen amongst this group that have really taken their games up a notch. But even so... How much longer do you think this defensive staff is going to be able to keep Peyton Bowen and PJ Adibawara out of the starting rotation? Uh, not not long. I'm I'm honestly a little surprised that that especially Peyton Bowen. I mean, Peyton Bowen played 29 snaps against Cincinnati, which is a decent amount, but but lower than the first three weeks. I, I would venture to say that 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 number that's the lowest it'll be the rest of the year. I think we're going to see Peyton Bowen. Uh, snap count numbers rise pretty significantly over the next few games. Uh, I mean, even just look at the, you know, look at late in the, late in the second quarter with Cincinnati driving, Peyton Bowen had an incredible pass breakup in the end zone on that third down that set up a field goal that Cincinnati missed. Those are huge plays in the course of a game instead of, you know, instead of Cincinnati tying the game or even cutting it to 10 to six going into halftime, it's still 10 three. I mean, those are huge moments huge plays that OU's defense simply didn't make last year. And I think Peyton Bowen's one of the few guys that can really make plays like that. And then, yeah, for, for PJ looks really impressive in that second half. Um, most of his 22 snaps came in that second half. I mean, he's, you know, PJ's just been a guy that when he's on the field, you notice him. He's, he's giving opposing offensive lines all they can handle. I think he was one of the more impressive players in that second half, but again, only 22 snaps for him. So I, I do think they're still trying to work out the defensive line, but it's pretty clear to me that, that Peyton Bowen has been one of the more impressive players on this OU defense through four weeks. And I think it's pretty clear that, that PJ is going to be a guy that, that whose snaps are going to go up. I think he's shown too much on the field. He's had too big of an impact to, to keep him off the field for, for too long. Jesse, good stuff. Always appreciate our Monday uh, conversations. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. 
Appreciate you guys. Jesse Crittenden joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right, we're going to get back, get to as many texts as we can. we got a Monday Night Football doubleheader tonight. Baker versus Jalen on at, uh, that's a 615 game. The Rams and Cincinnati. The Eagles are at Tampa Bay, by the way. And then the Rams at Cincinnati is the game that starts a little after 7. So, how about those Dallas Cowboys yesterday? Jeez, you're going to lose to Joshua Dobbs and the Cardinals? Dak did Dak things. Threw into basically triple coverage there. Man. Interesting. All right. Yeah, going to be a fun Monday night game tonight uh, with uh, Jalen versus Baker in Tampa. All right, stay with us. Get some more texts when we get back here on The Ref. Did your headphones just chirp, Steely? Yes, I mistakenly left my mic on. Stupid. All right, 405-651-3439. I don't know what's got a hold of me the last eight days or so, but it's it's getting old. I'm getting better, a little bit better each day. I'm considering going to the doctor, but you know what happens with the doctors? A lot of paperwork, a lot of weight in this room. Then we send you to another room. Then we send you to another room. Then you need to go get tests done. Then they send you to another room, more paperwork. Then whatever they find, we'll see again in three months or whatever. What you're, heal- what you're hearing Steely say here is he would rather be miserable than deal with red tape. Yes, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. I saw when, when my wife was diagnosed with MS how long it took to get like a, uh, what are they called, the neurosur- a neurologist involved. I, I literally think I could have got a meeting with the president of the United States before we could find a neurologist that could be. Oh with boy, us. we're about to have so many jokes on the text line. Oh yeah, I should. You said the that. president's you know, name. Here yeah, we go. That's right. I didn't say a name. I said the pres. Uh, I said okay, POTUS. Fair. But you know what I'm saying? I I just can't. I can't deal with it. And I think they're really good people, doctors, nurses. They all care. But once you get caught up in red tape, it's not good. So that's why I'm thinking maybe I should go, and then I think then I start getting sick thinking about having to go to the doctor because it's always a pain in the you know what. Okay, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Uh, EJ from Louisiana says, question, and what follows isn't really a question, but it is a good point. That touchdown saving tackle from Peyton Bowen would have been a touchdown for the other team in past years. Instead, we get an interception a few plays later. Peyton Bowen's been awesome. You know, all those three five stars, sometimes you get a five star, and I don't know, maybe, <clears throat> what, 20% of the time, maybe something like that, they don't, they turn out to be a, a good player, uh, but maybe not a great player. Um, these kids all look like they, they're going to be superstars, all three of them, all three of them. From the 918, I would add Kip Lewis to the list of players that need more snaps. He might get some more this week. Yeah, we'll see what they're going to they, do with Canick. Yeah. But, man. That was a scary, kind of a scary deal, wasn't it? It was a scary deal. It was a scary and deal. Canick and I'm had glad a great, okay. Canick had a great game, seven tackles. I think it was uh, Stutzman had 13. Uh, McCullough had seven. Canick had seven. Peyton Bowen had five. Kendall Dolby had five, too. He's played pretty well. So Kendall Dolby's been a nice little revelation. Yeah. But man, when we touched on last segment, 
PJ Adibawara. Man. That kid can get after the he quarterback. He looks apart, silly. and he is He can apart. get yeah. after the quarterback. You know who else played really, really great? I thought Key Lawrence at an interception. Um, Key Lawrence looked to me like he had a heck of a game also. Reggie Pearson was out. So uh, McCullough got beat on the wheel route. But other than that, you know, he looked to be making a lot of plays out there. He's He's definitely a playmaker. There is no one on Oklahoma's roster right now playing better football than Danny Stutzman, though. Yeah. Danny Stutzman is he's, an all-American caliber. He's football in the Butkus right conversation. Now. He has to be. He has to be. So, from a four hundred five listener, is Canick about to get Wally pipped? <laughs> Lou Gehrig reference there. Um, I mean, Canick played really well, I thought, but Kip Lewis has been really good when he's been in there too. The good news is both those guys can play. No doubt. Ronnie Crimson says there's nothing more satisfying than seeing P.J. come off the edge. You know, the other thing is the uh, the interior of the line has done a nice job because if you don't have the interior of the line doing what they're doing, uh, they're able to free up Stutzman to make so many plays. And in the backfield, not down the field, because Danny Stutzman has always been a tackling machine. But he's flying, shooting gaps, coming on blitzes, so is Jaron Canick. And you need some really good, strong defensive line play and interior line play. And it's been pretty good so far, Parker. Been pretty, pretty good. Back to the text line. Uh, Sooner Shane Springfield wants to know if Canick's out, who starts for him, Kobe or Kip or some of both. I would say probably Kip Lewis based on the way that yeah. he's played yeah. thus far. Kobe McKenzie, you know, and he hasn't been bad. He's actually really flashed on a couple of occasions. I think – the issue with Kobe McKenzie right now, though, is he's just got three linebackers ahead of him that are all playing excellent football. Yeah. You have a, too many linebackers right now. It's a good problem to have. It's a way better problem to have than the problem they had at linebacker last year. From the four seven nine, Going forward, anytime P.J. is mentioned, you should just play Gus Johnson's pronunciation. Classic. I didn't catch that on Saturday. I, it, was, it was interesting. I'd have to go back and try and find it. But I remember thinking, yeah, he's going to have to work on that a little bit. So, From a 918 listener, is Winery watching his friend PJ succeed and thinking, man, what could be next year? You're hoping so. Yeah, if you're, you're a Sooner fan, Missouri so. needs to lose You'd also like games. Missouri to lose yeah, at some point. They've won two touchdown uh, one-score uh, games you know, with uh, K-State and uh, – the Memphis game over the weekend. All right, I think we're out of time because I need to get uh, Riverwind in here real quick. Thank you, guys. Keep the text rolling in. We're going to have uh, Locked In, of course, coming up at the top of the hour. Riverwind Casino, get on out there and uh, play with your wild card today. Last drawings in the 50K Harvest Winnings promotion are happening this weekend, this Saturday night, September 30th. But it's always advantageous if you can play with your wild card in these promotions on Monday and Tuesday because you get one entry for every five points in your wild card, including five times entries, though, on Mondays and Tuesdays. So today and tomorrow, 50K Harvest Winnings promotional drawings happening this weekend. Also, concerts coming up. Next up, Foreigner, October 6th at the Show, uh, Showplace Theater. Carly Pierce, October 14th at the Showplace Theater. We have a Beats and Bites show out of the Coupeville Works Beach and Bites stage, October 22nd, the Gin Blossoms and Tonic. All right. Tickets for Beach and Bites shows, only 10 bucks a piece. Great food trucks. It'll be a fun, times out, fun time outdoors. 
uh, again, October 22nd. And then Rodney Carrington will have a show at the Showplace Theater October 27th. So always something happening at Riverwind Casino. If you haven't seen the newly remodeled gaming floor, get out there and check it out. It looks awesome. Okay, let's get locked in up next. Hope everybody has a great rest of their Monday. Be fun to watch Baker versus Jalen on Monday Night Football tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Everybody, get ready to get locked in up next here on The Ref.